all great teams and great organizations have one thing in common, great leadership. But it's not a job for the weak. Leadership is a special quality that's not found in everyone. But those who do exemplify it, they achieve that success by bringing out the best, the maximum effort and maximum potential in others. My conversation today is with the greatest in the business of positive leadership, mindset coaching, leadership coaching, and developing high-performing teams. He's going to share some of the best of the best that he's written about, spoken about, lectured about, and taught to some of the largest organizations across the country. Welcome to At The Podium. Hello again, and welcome to At The Podium with Manuel Mesqua. I'm a financial advocate, CEO, father, husband, and massive sports fan. I'm obsessed with encouraging people to dream and attack their unique vision for their life so they can inspire others to do the same. I built this podcast to share the stories of high performers and help convert their stories into many lessons that can help you get closer to your hopes, dreams, and all the things that you aspire to in your one life. Folks, today my guest is the John Gordon. John's a 14 times best-selling author, keynote speaker. His 27th book, The One Truth, is about to drop in a few months. His words have inspired audiences, teams, companies around the entire world. And his clients include some of the greatest brands in the Fortune 100 world and some of the greatest sports teams as well. He's known for his passion for developing positive leaders, organizations, and teams. And it's evident in the way he speaks and carries himself today. I love hearing John talk about books that he's written, like The Carpenter, The Energy Bus, How to Win in the Locker Room First. I hope you enjoy our conversation. So folks, welcome to the kickoff of the newest season at the podium. And today we've got an incredible guest coming in live. We have the John Gordon, 14 times best-selling author, keynote speaker, mentor, advocate, coach, and leader to many across sports, business, and life in general. John, welcome to the show. It's so great to be with you, Manuel. I met John many, many moons ago, but was reintroduced to John recently through our mutual friend, Ben Newman. And if you follow Ben and the burn and all the different content that he's got out there, elevating the rising tide on behalf of so many people, you hear John Gordon's name often. I love to start by unpacking people's childhoods a little bit, John. Take me back, take our listeners back to what it was like growing up as the original John Gordon, before all of this public fame that's happened over the last two decades? Well, I grew up in Long Island, New York, in a town called Smithtown, even a smaller town than that, Nisconset. And my mom sold advertising. My dad was a New York City police officer. He was actually my, my stepfather, technically, but he raised me since I was five years old. So in my mind, he was my dad. So a great man, loving man, undercover narcotic. So Jewish Italian family, a lot of food, a lot of guilt, a lot of wine, a lot of whining and love my parents. They were very loving parents, but not always positive. A lot of negativity with my family. 
And so I had to deal with that growing up in a, in a lot of ways, but they definitely loved me. And I felt that love. I played a ton of sports. I was always active, always outside competing with the neighbors, with my brother, with my stepbrother. We were always battling in some sport, whether it's hockey, basketball, football, eventually it became lacrosse for me, baseball. I winded up going to Cornell University to play lacrosse. So that had a huge impact on my life. But yeah, great childhood. Although it was like Lord of the Flies. You would have to fight all the time. I had to fight a lot growing up. And I told the story once to Clemson football because they hadn't beat South Carolina in five years when I was going to speak to the team. This was the night before the game. And so I'm telling them the story about growing up with this neighbor since South Carolina was their neighbor. And I'm talking about my neighbor who growing up was a little bigger than me, a little older than me, and would beat me up. And I tried my best to fight, but I would lose the fight. And my dad, being a New York City cop, did not like seeing his son lose, but couldn't help it, right? I was losing, but he would try to toughen me up. He put me in the gym. We put on Rocky music. I would train and I would hit the punching bag and had the speed bag, the heavy bag. So I would box a lot. And so I literally would train downstairs a lot, hitting that bag. And I kept getting older. Older, older, a little bigger, a little bigger, a little bigger. And then eventually got into a fight with my neighbor. I was able to get him into a headlock and I was able to pound his face a little bit, bloody his nose all up. And I told this to the Clemson guys. I said, guys, I said, God wants to take a group of men who've been beaten down for years to show that you can do this, that you can believe you can rise up, overcome your circumstance and do something amazing. And yes, go bloody some noses. And they went out there and they dominated that game, won the game. I saw a bunch of the guys later on at the supermarket with my daughter. We're walking around. They said, hey, Mr. Gordon, we bloodied some noses today. So I knew that the message got through. But that is what it was like growing up in Smithtown on Nancy Lane in Long Island, New York. Nancy Lane. I love it. You know, a lot of times we become somewhat of a product of the environment that we grew up in, right? The neighborhood, the big personalities or characters that we see in these movie storylines. But what were the things you were dreaming about then as a child that you're like, hey, this is what I want to become someday? I had big dreams. I mean, I wanted to be president of the United States at one point in my life. So I had really big dreams. I think I could help this country a lot right now, would eventually go into politics and run for city council of Atlanta when I was 26 years old, realized that I did not like politics very much. So definitely was a good decision not to get into politics long-term, but definitely was something I wanted to do. I was an entrepreneur at a, at a young age. I would go around and I would actually sell shoveling driveways when it would snow. So I would say, hey, we'll come shovel your driveway. And then I would charge like $10 to shovel the driveway, but I'd get my brother to do it for five. And so I would sell it for 10, get my brother to do it for five. I'm a natural marketer, a natural salesperson. And that was me doing that when I was younger. Then I started a blacktop driveway business when I was in high school, where every summer I would buy that blacktop stuff from from Depot. And man, it smelled like tar, right? I would charge over $100 a driveway. People would hire me. I remember I did like 10 driveways. I was done for the summer, made like a thousand bucks. I'm good to go. But there I was like tarring those driveways every day. I didn't want the $7 an hour job. Even back then, I remember my mom got me a job. It was cleaning carpets. It was a carpet cleaning with these vacuums and these machines. And I went on a day 
around with this guy who owned this business. And after like a couple of hours, I'm like, there's no way I'm doing this for like $4 an hour. No way. So I came up with the blacktop business idea and made a lot more money in a lot quicker way. So that was always my thing growing up younger, just looking for business, looking for opportunities and wanted to make money for myself. I did not come from money. My parents never made more than like $30,000 a year combined. And so growing up in that family, I learned about hard work. I learned about having to, in many ways, make it myself and find a way. They helped me with college, of course. But when I graduated, it was like, boom, that was it. I waited tables. I bartend. I moved to Atlanta in a car with some clothes, went there with a friend from high school. We got an apartment and I started working, waiting tables, then eventually bartending, then eventually bought the bar next to where I was working. I found some investors, met the owner of the place next to me, said, hey, would you ever sell this place? He said, everything's for sale and wind up buying that place. So you might not have known that about this guy who wrote all these books on leadership and teamwork, but I have an entrepreneurial background that people really don't know about but it's fun to actually share it. And I've been sharing it more recently in talks because I do love talking to entrepreneurs and helping people you know, rise up to be successful. The John Gordon companies, for those folks who have heard your name, maybe picked up a book here and there, it's a lot more than writing books. Can you share with our listeners everything that the John Gordon companies is into these days and how you're adding value and solving problems in the marketplace? Our main focus is mindset, leadership, and developing strong teams. And so first and foremost, we have my books and there's now 27 books, 14 bestsellers. So I write books and that's the core of what I do. That's who I am. Everything stems from the books that I write. And I'm passionate about these books. I love writing books. I love impacting people with books. So it starts with books first and foremost. And then it's speaking. I do a lot of talks now and I've been doing talks for the last 20 years giving keynotes around the country. And I still love doing that. I don't have to do it as much anymore, but I will do it today the day I die because I love doing it. So I love impacting people, love speaking. I love giving talks. And then we also have now a training company. And in this training company, we do positive leadership training where we develop leaders. We have a model. We have a program based on my book, The Power of Positive Leadership, and we help you become a better leader. We help you become a leader that's more resilient, more mentally tough, a leader with grit, but then a leader that also overcomes adversity and then builds great relationships, knows how to transform negativity on a team, leads with love and accountability, and is able to build the kind of relationships that you need to be connected and committed and then ultimately achieve great results when you're going through change. And so our model really is incredible. Our training is, is I believe, the best in the country. I've seen a lot of trainings. It truly is the best that's out there. And we call it positive leadership because you can't be a great leader if you're not positive. But this is not Pollyanna positive. It's not about seeing the world through rose-colored glasses. It's knowing that you have the power to overcome the thorns. And it's not about ignoring reality. It's okay to say this is tough. This is a challenging time. What our organization is going through is, is difficult, but we're going to maintain optimism, belief, and faith in order to create a better reality. So we're not ignoring reality. We're creating a better reality. So we do a lot of leadership training now where we have public events, and then we also have a team of trainers that go into companies and work with them. And I don't do that. I have a whole team that is great 
that does that. And they are phenomenal. Julie Nee and Amy Kelly and Thomas Williams and Jim Van Allen and Alex Demchek. And my daughter, who's 24, is now doing this, Jade. And she's incredible. She's like, picks this up so fast. It's incredible. She's light years ahead of where I was. She literally is going to be my boss in a couple of years. And so she is really strong. So she's doing it as well. It's fun to see the impact the growth, all the companies we get to work with, like GE Healthcare, like Southwest Airlines. We're working with some really incredible companies, insurance companies, you name it. We're working with them to help them develop leaders, but then also it's to build stronger teams. So we have the positive team training program where this is all about the principles and practices that make great teams great. So we're focused on really those two core things. We have an Energy Bus for Schools program and Dr. Jim Van Allen he runs that. And Jim was actually my intern when he went to University of Florida. Jim was my intern all the way back then. He was on my first energy bus tour with me the first time the book came out. Jim was driving the bus all around. He's a college kid. Now, Jim, so great to see, like married, has great kids. He's got his PhD. And he did his thesis on the energy bus impact in schools. How cool is that? Not knowing we were ever even going to do this program. But what happened was, he does this thesis. He sees the impact. Next thing you know, we have all these schools that are using the energy bus. We're seeing an impact. We realized we needed to create a more formal program because everyone was asking us for one. So now we're in over a hundred and something schools around the country, only a couple of years old. So now we're really growing that. Our goal is to get to 500, then a thousand schools, because what we do is we transform the negativity in schools. We help leaders create positive cultures. Those positive cultures energize the teachers, energize the students, increases morale, gets rid of the negativity that sabotages far too many schools and allows teachers and students to perform at their highest level. So really committed and passionate about that. So energy bus for schools, we get the power of positive leadership, and then we get the power of a positive team. And then I also have basically you know, speakers who go speak on various books that people ask for if they want talks on that. And then- we have this new book I wrote called The One Truth that's coming out. That's all about mindset. And I have a bunch of books on mindset as well. So we do a lot of mindset work. But something I'm really excited about is also in the finale is that we're now doing a day with events. So I'm, I'm teaming up with other thought leaders where myself, for instance, and Patrick Lencioni, five dysfunctions of a team. Patrick and I are doing a day with us. November 2nd is our first time doing this. So November 2nd, we're doing this event. We want 75 of the top leaders from around the country. That's it. And we want 75 top leaders and it's going to sell out very quickly. And I'm excited about doing these kind of events, probably two a year to impact top leaders of organizations and companies who want to grow as a leader. And you're going to spend the day with me and Patrick, and we're going to talk about every issue. It's going to be very interactive and I'm fired up for that. And that's one of the big new initiatives that we're rolling out now. I think people are often surprised, you know, when you go on the website and you just start kind of peeling back the layers, it's like you click here and there's five more things and you click here and there's four more things. You know, it's just this never ending cascading resource and so much great information and so many great people behind it. Tell people where can they find it, the website. And if they want to just kind of follow you along online, what are the best social media platforms where they can easily find you and stay in touch on everything that's going on with John Gordon? Yeah, I appreciate that. JohnGordon.com, J-O-N Gordon.com. Twitter and Instagram is at J-O-N Gordon 11, J-O-N Gordon 11. But the thing with that is on the website, we have tons of also free resources. 
we're always sharing a lot of free videos and resources and the seven-step action plan immediately that will help you become a better leader. We have the leadership challenge you can do, positiveleadershipchallenge.com. It's a seven-day challenge. You do one simple thing each day to become a more positive leader. So we got these tons of free resources that we're always sharing with people to develop leaders, develop teams. So you can go literally from the free resources to the my free newsletter, all the way up to videos that you can buy, all the way to training, workshops, and then these bigger events that we're now doing that are higher dollar events. With me and Pat, it's going to be $7,500 a ticket for that day, but you know, limited. But again, I have to offer some events at that level and want to give a ton of free resources away as well. We've got the new website coming out. We've added so many things. We needed a new website that really did a better job of showcasing all that we do. That's great. By the time this is out, that website's going to be up and running. So, yes. folks, you got to go check that out, johngordon.com, John J O N, gordon.com, to be clear. I'm a huge fan of our friends at Sport of Kings out in LA. And as a listener of this show, you've got to check them out. Sport of Kings is an LA based clothing brand that was started by two surfers and longtime friends. The story's incredible. They carry a wide range of premium tees, hoodies, sweats, caps, and more. And they're designed in-house folks made locally in Los Angeles and Orange County. Samantha and Ava and Atlas say, Dad, you're either in a blue suit and white shirt or Sport of Kings. And they're right. That's about it. Don't forget, Sport of Kings is a homegrown brand focused on quality over quantity. And if you go check them out online at S-O-K-F-Y. So basically, Sport of Kings Forever Young, S-O-K-F-Y dot com. And use the promo code PODIUM. You'll receive 20% off your entire order. Again, that's S-O-K-F-Y dot com. And use the promo code PODIUM at checkout for 20% off. And now, back to the show. I'm glad that you brought up the free resource. The free resources, I think it's just sometimes overlooked at how just even your newsletter. I read the whole thing. And in just the newsletter distribution, which is a two-minute read, you take something away for the day, the week, the month, or the quarter that you can implement and apply and teach what you preach. I think there's just a lot of power in that. And that's why I was really excited to have you on today. That's how I built my company was based on providing value. It really was about how can we serve others and help others? The newsletter has been free since 2002. So every week I write this newsletter, I still do it to this day. So I'll literally write something on a Saturday or Sunday of what I want to share for that week. Sometimes I'll recycle something from the year before when it's you know relative like my new year's resolution to jump in the ocean every year. And I talk about no fear in the new year, but pretty much every week I'm trying to write something different, something new to provide value. We also start daily positive, dailypositive.com, where every day we share a positive quote of inspiration via email right to your inbox. And that's been really popular as well. So the whole goal is to add value. These are the three keys to a successful business. If you want to be more successful in your business, you do these three things. You love, you serve, and you care. You show that you love others, you serve them, and then 
you demonstrate care. And if you do those three things, I always say, don't focus on building your business. Focus on loving, serving, and caring, adding value, letting people know you recognize them, appreciate them, help them get better, mentor them, give them valuable resources and tools. In every conversation, I want to add value. And if I do that over time, it's going to come back to me. And it may not come in the form of what you expect. It may not be that person you helped that day helps you back. No, someone else winds up helping you back and giving you something back. So when you give, you receive tenfold. It's just the way the universe works. It's the way God works. Jackpot. You mentioned earlier that a couple of the things you took away from your parents in your childhood was definitely the hard work that was instilled as a reflection of what you saw your mother and your father do every day. But second, you talked about find a way. I'm just so overwhelmed because I grew up, my brothers and I grew up very much the way you described, you know, gross household income environment that sort of, you know, growing up on the block, fighting the neighbor kids, (laughs) just, it was the best. I mean, it was the perfect childhood for my brothers and I, and I think it prepared us well for business and life in general, but especially to be a father. And so one of the things that I speak about with my children, Ava and Atlas, who are 14 and 13 today is just, Hey, you you just got to find a way. If that's important to you, you got to figure it out. So you're coming along, you're an entrepreneur, you're trying different things. I love the tar. I paved driveways, so I can really, really resonate (laughs) with that gig. When did you know that you had a gift for teaching, coaching, and telling a story through books? I didn't know for a long time. That's the thing. I'm still trying to figure out if I really actually have a gift or not. So I I didn't. 27 in. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't know. And I struggled and I was fearful and negative and lost my job during the dot-com crash. I'm 31 years old. And my wife gives me an ultimatum, like change or we're over. Because I was blaming her for why our life was so bad, for why I wasn't realizing my dreams. And so I felt less than. I felt scared of the future. I didn't know how I was going to create the future. Most terrifying time in my life. But then I I prayed and I asked God what I was born to do and why am I here? And writing and speaking came to me in that moment. I'll never forget. It was like, I know I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. I don't know how, but I'm going to go start and do this. And I didn't know I could write in this way. I just said, I'm going to start doing this. And I started a weekly positive tip, even way back then, 2002. And I started sharing these tips every week. And I would practice the ideas I was writing about because I would research ways I could be more positive because that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be more positive. And so in doing that, I'm now practicing, I'm sharing, I'm getting feedback from people. And that began this journey of doing this work. And I didn't even know I could write a fable. But one day I was walking, praying again, and the energy bus came to me. This was 2005, 2006. I wrote the book 2006, comes out in 2007, and that book would change my life because it was a fable that people connected with and really valued and loved and sold over 3 million copies now. Can't believe it to this day. But it was at that moment when I wrote that book in in three and a half weeks that I realized, oh, okay, I, I can write these books. I can write fables. And then when I did it again with the carpenter and the training camp and the no complaining rule, I did all these fables and soup and you know the garden shark and the goldfish. I just knew that that's what I can do. I don't know how I can do it. I just know it's it's God's gift for me to be able to do and to be able to share and to impact people. So that's what I knew. And then even when I spoke initially, when I first started speaking, didn't know I could speak. And initially I was terrified and scared and try to get out of it. 
But the more I started doing it, I got better and better over time and then realized, okay, I can now convey stories through the spoken word as well as the written word. But I wanted to be a writer first, not a speaker. But everyone said, if you want to write, you have to speak or else no one's going to buy your books. So I was forced into speaking and that's how I, I did this. So I don't take credit. I truly believe that that I've given it up to God. I'm obedient. I'm open. And I truly believe that in my prayers and my surrender, God gives me these ideas that I'm supposed to do. And then I'm able to do it. And God doesn't pick the best. He picks the most willing. And if you're willing, he'll use you to do great things for the good of others. As long as I'm focusing on serving others and making a difference. I love that you share that story. Obviously, you know, so many of our listeners are people of faith working the best they can to walk in faith. I noticed though, and and you do speak about God often. I also noticed that you talk about sports a lot and you really, really knocked it out of the park for so many different sports teams, whether it's the owners, the general managers, the coaches, the players. I mean, one of my favorite books is still, you went in the locker room first. I mean, literally one of my favorite books, and it was given to me by a mentor of mine, Don Helms. And it's like, it's just a book I've treasured since I got it in 2016 from him. I knew you grew up playing a ton of sports. I mean, was that intentional or is it just because you're talking about positivity and peak performance and attacking your dreams that you think it just resonated so much in the sports world? It just resonated. I didn't choose it. It chose me because I wrote the energy bus. Jack Del Rio read it. Yeah. So, you know. The Jaguars all read the book. He gives the copy, a copy to every single player, coach, person in the organization. They all read it. Mike Smith was on that staff as a defensive coordinator. He reads the book, loves it. He sees the impact on the team. They go to the playoffs that year and he brings it to the Atlanta Falcons when he gets the head coaching job. So he now is using it with his team. Then Texas calls. Cole McCoy was a senior. That's how long ago this was. I go and speak to Texas, the University of Georgia, Mark Rick's team. Next thing you know, all these coaches are reading my book. So I start getting ideas. And then Mike Smith and I wrote, you win in the locker room first when Mike retired. And funny thing is, I wasn't going after that audience. I just was writing things for everybody, but they gravitated towards it. As you said, why? Because mindset is so important. Culture is essential leadership and teamwork, right? You need to have those to have strong teams, to have successful teams. And I know how to speak their language and I know how to help them be great. And that's what I'm great at. But guess what? That goes for the salesperson. That goes for the leader. It goes for people in companies. I've spoken to artists. I've spoken to musicians. I've spoken to race car drivers. You name it. I've spoken to people of all different professions besides athletics. And it applies all the same principles apply. You just get to see firsthand how it works with the sports team because you can tell whether that team picked up those principles that season by how well they're performing. I actually recall reading about Jack Del Rio reading the book. And I don't remember if it was like a clip of you talking about it or sharing the story. And that was a while ago. That was 2007. So that's when it started with sports teams. And the funny thing is, I didn't want to write you went in the locker room at first because I had just come off writing another book before that. And Mike actually not retired. He got fired from the Falcons. So he had a year off and it was during that year. He said, I think I want to write a book. Will you write it with me, John? And Mike had been so good to me every year, bringing me in during training camp. I was like, fine, Mike, I'll write the book with you. I'm exhausted. I just wrote this other book, but we'll do it. Come to Ponte Vedra. We'll, we'll work on it. He comes to Ponte Vedra. We met, we outlined it. I gave him sections to write and what he should do. He's getting me back sections. I'm writing my sections. 
I edited it all up. I was the writer and the editor and then put it together. And then when I saw it, I was like, wow, this is good. So here was something I was doing for my friend and coach to write this book with him to be able to have something that could get out there. It winds up being read by Sean McVay, Eric Spolstra, Doc Rivers, every single coach. Yeah. Then I get invited to all these now major, major big time sports programs because of that book being the cornerstone of their philosophy as a coach. So that's really cool to know that book is impacted, but I need to credit Mike Smith because I didn't even want to write the book at that time. Yeah, I love that story. Other coaches top of mind that you've really enjoyed being around, you feel like you've actually gleaned something that you've taken forward in your life as a leader, as a business owner, as a father, as a husband? I learned from all of them. They're such great leaders. I learned from every coach that I get to spend time with. Sean McVay learned a lot from him. I learned a lot from Dabo Sweeney. Dabo and I have been working together now 12 years. I've been speaking to Dabo's teams. Dabo Sweeney is one of the greatest leaders I've ever seen, not in just sports, but in the world, in business, everyone who's met him, when I say that, they're like, wow, you're right. They can't believe behind the scenes, they see his leadership, what he's all about. They are blown away at the kind of leader that he is. Ed Milet started working with Dabo as well this year. And Ed Milet went in and spoke to the team. And Ed Milet's like, I cannot believe the kind of leader he is. Wow. He was blown away. Ed's worked with presidents and he was like, I think Dabo might be one of the best leaders I've ever worked with. So you see it firsthand. Like I've learned a lot from Dabo, Eric Spolstra, the way he leads a lot of great conversations with Doc Rivers over the years, Kevin O'Connell with the Vikings, Brian Dable with the Giants, Matt LaFleur with the Packers, Nick Nurse with the Raptors, Corey Close with UCLA, Chip Kelly, Lane Kiffin has become a good friend. I talk to pretty much most coaches out there and and learn from them. And then I'm able to invest in them. Billy Donovan spoke to the bulls this year and, yeah. and love the way Billy Donovan, love leads. Coach Donovan. amazing leader. So, you know, I'm going on and on. I, there's just so many even more that I could talk about that are just incredible. That's the most fortunate thing that I get to do. I mean, the fact that I get to learn from all these leaders, I'm like a professor who's out in the real world. I'm learning from every single great leader out there in business and sports. I'm seeing what they do, how they do it. I'm with the best cultures on the planet, like in and out Burger. And they just rolled out the power of positive leadership to their entire company. So here I'm speaking to them, learning from their leadership, Arnie and Lindsay, you know, Lindsay is the owner of the company, Schneider, amazing. And you're, you're learning from them. Tom Patterson with Tommy John, become a good friend. So you, you learn from all these leaders. And then I'm able to then go work with other companies and sort of assimilate and apply best practices. And then you start to see the challenges. You start to see the issues they have. So like a doctor can diagnose problems. I can walk literally into a, into a team meeting. I can walk into a company. I can walk into a locker room and I can tell right away some issues that that team has. So it's a great gift to be able to have now to be able to go work with someone and a team and be able to help them get better and be able to see what their challenges are. I'm not patting myself on the back, but I don't think there's anyone on the planet who has had more experience than I have in corporate boardrooms and also in locker rooms with teams and worked with the teams at the highest levels and the greatest coaches on the planet and the greatest leaders on the planet and be able to see how it all works and then be able to help all these teams and organizations. Tampa Bay Lightning was a client that I spoke to the year they won the NHL Stanley Cup. So I've had that opportunity to work with leadership. So on a level of leadership, culture, teamwork, and mindset to be able to bring it all together, I mean, there's maybe three people that could do that on the planet like this. 
and I'm certain that you've found there, there's a lot of sort of self-appointed leaders or leaders that, you know, kind of appointed by default because of the perceived title in hierarchy that's in an organization. But there's the leaders, like you said, you can walk in a room and tell immediately, what, like, wow, that person, like you can tell that's a disciple of the carpenter, right? I went to even a high school team, a, a friend's high school team was playing and I went to his friend's team, watched them play, spoke to the team before the, the game. And very quickly, I was able to see who has the potential for leadership on the team, who was struggling, who had some challenges with their mindset and got a call with a couple of the players, turned them around, helped give advice to the team. They took the advice and then they put into practice and then boom, this team is crushing it now. It was, it was incredible. I saw this team. I'm like, wow, this is a special team, but I don't think they realized how special they were. And now they do. So that's what I was going to ask you, right? A lot of our listeners and our followers of the podcast are collegiate student athletes. So give me an example. What are a couple of the characteristics that you'd say, hey, when I see this in a young man or a young woman, I know that this person is built for leadership. Do they love their teammates? Are they encouraging their teammates? Are they leading by example? Are they being a great team member? Are they being selfless? Are they focusing on having a positive attitude? Are they making the people around them better? Are they going for it? Are they allowing fear to dominate them or love to guide them and, and move them? What do they move by? Love or fear? So you can quickly see the key characteristics. And again, I wrote about all these characteristics and the power of positive leadership. So highly recommend college athletes read the book and you'll know the characteristics you need to be a great leader. But everyone can be a better leader. Some have it more naturally than others. I have to admit, some have the gift of leadership, just like some can paint, some can write. We have certain skill sets. And as a leader, some people have natural skill sets to be a leader. You mentioned this big dream when you were a young boy of wanting to be the president of the United States of America. And you said that, and then you added the fact that you thought you could do a lot of good today. What's one thing as you look out into the world that you're raising Jade, I'm raising Ava and Atlason. What's one thing that you say, man, if we just could fix this, if we would just do this or stop doing that, what's that piece of advice? We need another hour in the podcast to talk about all the things that we need right now. But if I could actually add the most important thing, I believe it would be personal responsibility, like that we have to make sure that we are still focusing on people owning who they are, what they do, how they show up and take responsibility for your life and to be a contributor. We now have right now, most of the people don't pay taxes in this country and Actually, a minority actually are the ones who pay the taxes. So, of course, you don't really care about tax money and how much has to be spent and how much you have to give because you're not giving it. I'm a big fan of like the flat tax where everyone contributes, everyone cares. Because guess what? If you were paying money to the government, you would care more about how your money was being spent. So, I'm a big believer in compassion. I love helping people. I give a ton to charity. But I do believe people need to take responsibility and stop blaming others, but empower yourself, empower others, and do what you can do to make this a great country and to create a great life and to build a great community. So many people are big on ideals and small on action. They want the government to do everything. They want others to do everything. But they're walking past the homeless person in their neighborhood and not even taking the time to help them or care about them. They're like, you should do this. Yeah, we should do this. But do you do that? 
So I really believe it's about personal responsibility. And I'm a big believer in freedom of expression, freedom of speech, freedom of choice, obviously within limits, you know, you have to have consequences, but I'm, I'm a big believer in that. So right now, I think that's probably where I would start. And I'm a big believer, okay, that it's okay to have God involved in our lives and that the freedom to express your religion was the big part of the founding fathers. And the reason why that exists is not so that I could try to make someone believe in Jesus or Christ. Everyone should have their own choice, their own belief, their own freedom to practice what they want. But that means I should have my choice and be allowed to express my faith without being ridiculed for that. So I'm a big believer in that as well. But the carpet is all about love, serving, care. So get back to loving others and stop fighting and just focus on loving. It's like everyone is fighting today and the media fuels the fights. And it's about recognizing not how we're separate, but how we're one. Always trying to point out the differences. Now let's move towards oneness, not separateness. I love that. That's a great segue. I know the newest book that's coming up is The One Truth. Any quick teaser that you you can give us all to just kind of, you know, the last impression is the lasting impression. Let's get people dialed in to buy the book and read it and become a more deep and meaningful disciple of yours. What's a teaser on the book? Well, great question. And again, you should always finish every presentation strong. And so for me, The One Truth is the key to mental toughness. It's the key to mental health. It is the key to high performance. And once you understand this and the way thoughts work and you understand how to have a higher state of mind and to avoid a lower state of mind and move from a lower state of mind to a higher state of mind, you become a powerful force in the world. And it all goes down to the one truth. And once you understand this one truth, man, you will see how everything in life is guided by a force that is trying to divide you and separate you. The word anxious means divided at its Greek root word. Negative thoughts separate you. Fear divides. And you will see how also there's a power of love that unites. And the more united you are, the more connected you are, the more committed you are, the more one you feel, the more powerful you feel, the stronger you feel. Why? Because oneness is power. Separation is weakness and division. Give me a team that's united and connected and committed. That will be a powerful team. Give me a team that is divided. They will be weak and they will not perform very well. The word integrity comes from the word integer, which means whole and complete. So a leader who has integrity, they are whole and complete. There's no separation. There's no gaps between who they are, what they say, and what they do. But a leader who has gaps in integrity, separation has weakness and everything can be explained once you understand the one truth. And I literally explain and break down ego and teams and leadership. You name it, I explain it. Mindset, I explain it. And once you understand this, you'll be able to see the world like a Jedi. And then as a result of that, you'll have this power as you move through life. So the subtitle is Master Your Mindset, Live With Power. And then the last part is Heal Your Soul which is a powerful part of this because everyone has wounds in their soul. Everyone needs to heal those wounds to perform at their optimal level. Because what does the wound do? The wound causes separation. Even at the physical level, there's a separation. What do you do when you heal the wound? Love and forgiveness heals the wound and restores it and brings you back to wholeness and oneness. 
That's the power of this new book. Can't wait for people to read it. Comes out in June. It's going to change a lot of lives. And it literally came to me this past summer. I was walking every day and I'm literally getting downloads that is coming to me. And I knew I was meant to write this book. So excited for people to read it. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I just really like everything you said. It's so relevant in the world today where there's such an elevated awareness around the power and the significance of mental health. And everything about peak performance is built on that foundation. And it's so awesome to hear you speak and communicate in the way you are, because it sounds very therapeutic in nature. And I would think that most people would agree, especially those of us who've been through therapy and are still in therapy. This has a really significant place in my life and has a lot to do with a lot that is good in what I'm living today. You know that this will resonate with people because as I take them through the understanding of this, you're going to see how this connects and relates to everything in your life and the struggles that you've had. And even mental health, this explains, I literally break it down. It will explain mental health and why people at times will struggle with their mental health and why their brain and their thoughts and how their brain and thoughts contribute to mental health and how they work together the brain and thoughts, how they work together and why that actually creates a healthy mindset or a mindset that is leading towards dysfunction. When you understand this, you will understand mental health and why it works. I've already talked to neuroscientists about it. I said, refute me. What do you think? They haven't been able to. So I can't wait for people to read this. I love it, folks. You heard it. This is the best kickoff first conversation of a season I've hosted in the two years we've had the podcast. Such a blessing and privilege to have the John Gordon, president of the John Gordon Companies, folks, that is J-O-N-Gordon.com. And just remember, 27 books. And he corrected me because I said 12. It's 14 time best selling author. You can say 12. That's fine. It's 12. You can say 12. One of the best speakers I've ever listened to. And definitely one of the most significant thought leaders in the world today around anything, sports, business, and life in general. John, it was a privilege. Thank you so much for being with us today and allowing our listeners an inside view to your life and what makes you tick. Thank you so much, Manuel. Thanks so much for listening today. And thanks to my guest, John Gordon. You can connect with John on Instagram or Twitter at John, J-O-N, Gordon, G-O-R-D-O-N, 11, at John Gordon 11, or to find more information about his company, the various teams working on his behalf, and resources online, go to johngordon.com. If you like what you heard today, please be sure to follow, rate, and review at the podium on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow the show on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok at podium underscore podcast at podium underscore podcast. Post about the show on social media and tag us. We love to repost and share our gratitude. Also consider telling a friend about the show. Friend to friend is still the best way to get the word out about our guests and these incredible conversations. See you next time.